Well, hello there, and welcome to this Calvary Longview audio message. We're so glad you've chosen to take a moment to discover with us the truth that can be found in the Bible, and we pray that you'll be blessed by what you hear. Today, Pastor Al is going to be sharing with us a message from the book of Jeremiah. We can't wait to get into God's Word, so crack open your Bible, grab your note-taking tools, and we'll get started. Jeremiah chapter 38, we're going to be looking at uh, Jeremiah 38 and 39 tonight. And I encourage you, as Gabe had mentioned, two services on Sunday morning, 9 and 11. The 9 o'clock one, we, uh, well, we don't have any child care yet for either of them, but if you want to get your kids in order, uh, as far as getting them on a schedule, the 11 o'clock one will be the one when we go to have children's ministry that will have children's ministry for it. Um, our nursery for those only who parents uh, need to take care of their young uh, child's duties, feeding or, or cleaning or whatever the case may be, is open for those to use and it needs to be wiped down. And then also we'll continue our live Facebook and YouTube live streams. We're not going to get away from that. Um, we just appreciate uh, all the work that everybody's putting into that. So here we are, Jeremiah 38 and 39. If you're just joining with us uh, tonight in our study, we are teaching through the Bible, teaching through the book of Jeremiah. And it's been interesting because we've watched Jeremiah. Now I think some 40 years have surpassed since he began teaching and sharing the word that God would have him share to the kings. Remember, there's been several kings. And now we're going to come up to the end of that king period as far as uh, Israel is, or Judah is concerned. And so we know that Jeremiah was put into the dungeons, and we'll see that uh, by the priest because of his faithfulness. And I just share that with you because, uh, you know, to be faithful doesn't mean that it's always going to be, everything's going to be hunky-dory, you know. You want to be faithful to God, you're going to face opposition. The Bible clearly tells us about that. We saw that in our study through uh, the church of Smyrna on uh, Sunday mornings, the persecuted church. And we know that persecution will be there. So we pick it up in chapter uh, 38, verse 1, where we see it says, Now Shephatiah, the son of Mattah, Gadaliah, the son of Pashur, Jakul, the son of Shelemiah, and Pashur, the son of Malchiah, heard the words that Jeremiah had spoken to all these people, saying, now, these are the princes of this time. These guys are in leadership. And they have been opposing Jeremiah for quite some time, so they've been hearing the word, but it's not registering. You know, it's not registering to them. Their ears aren't open to it. And they've been opposing him because of his faithfulness. Again, his faithfulness to the Lord. Now understand that. Even in today's day and age, in Jeremiah's day and age, 40 years of preaching the word over and over and over again. And nobody's listening. It's not registering with many people. And, and today, the same thing. I mean, you live in a, we live in a day that is really anti-Christ in a sense. that Nobody wants to hear the message. Nobody wants to be told, like they think, you know, well, if i got to accept Christ, then he's going to tell me what to do. And I, and I should kind of share with people, I say, Christ is only trying to keep you out of hell. That's what he wants. He wants you to go to heaven. He wants to spend eternity with you. That's why you're created. Do you understand that? But these guys had um, been opposing Jeremiah for some time now. And keep in mind, because these guys, and just like anybody, it doesn't matter who it is, but these guys had an office to where they could have made a difference in the lives of others. If we listen, if we take a moment and listen, stop and listen. Just listen. 
You know, nowadays, the people would just stop doing what they're doing. Stop the protest. Stop all this stuff and just listen. God has something to say in all this. So, you know, we've seen it in Acts chapter 5 too. You get these opposition coming up. You get the, uh, the faithfulness of the apostles came uh, when the, the officers of uh, uh, the um, opposition came. They confronted the truth. And they, they told them, you know, don't ever preach in the name of Jesus again. Well, that was opposition, right? Don't preach anymore. The same way it is today. There's going to be opposition. You know, people say that you're judging me. You ever heard that? You tell them to live, you know, well, this isn't right. Well, you're judging me. I'm not judging you. I remember I was sharing with somebody quite some time ago, and they were homeless. They said, hey, you want a job? And they go, yeah, I'd love a job. I said, well, listen, can you pass a drug test? Well, you're judging me. Well, I'm not judging you. They're going to ask you. So, you know, I'm just going to try to help you out, you know. But uh, I'll work with you anyway, whatever we can do. But it's this thing of opposition, you know, opposition. And, and, and again, they don't, people that don't want to hear the truth, Listen, Jesus Christ, a God of love and a God of grace. If, if um, he wanted to, which he could, he'd just come back now, take his church home, and then let the seven-year tribulation unfold. That's all hell breaking loose on planet Earth. All the seals, all the bulls, trumpets sounding. And people are going to wonder, well, why did they tell me? You know, you just weren't listening. It's going out. And just like Jeremiah or any of the prophets, even the apostles, you and I today, it's the same thing. We're going to be confronted with opposition if we're going to be men and women of the truth, if we're going to teach the truth, if we're going to hold to the truth. But we're not to let anything or anybody get in the way of that. Listen, Paul said in Romans chapter 1, he said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, it's only the gospel that can save this world or save the people in the world right now. I mean, it always has been. But just being real right now, just being open and honest that People are looking like, what are we going to do? We need to send in troops. Why don't you send in a preacher? Send in, give me a stage. I don't care. Not that I'm any gifted preacher, but give me a stage. I'll go do it. I'll share the gospel with them. Let's go out there and share the message. Or, or when everybody on Facebook and whatever YouTube, they're sharing the messages. Hey, you need to listen to this message because it's fit for today. There's going to be opposition out there, but we shouldn't be afraid to share the very word that's going to heal them. It's like saving, uh, you know, I was talking to a bunch of pastors the other day. We're on a meeting all over Washington, Calvary guys. We we're talking about, you know, just what, what's the message? I mean, you think about it, and I, I almost said, and I've said this before, but I think it was fitting, but I'm not into rearranging chairs on a Titanic. I'm into saving people from drowning. Because the Titanic's going down, this world's going down. So let's get the message out there that's going to save people, the message of Jesus Christ, the hope. And so remember here, these guys were in opposition to Jeremiah's message. They didn't want to hear what he had to say. And remember that Jeremiah has been saying, or what he's been saying, has been the same thing for a long time. And these guys aren't listening. It's the same message. You know, you come and you don't know Christ. It's going to be the same message. And remember when I first uh, heard the gospel message uh, given to me in a uh, setting of a church? It was a message that I needed to hear. I cried all morning, got out of there. I thought, ooh, I escaped that. About four months later, I was confronted with the same message, the same message. And I, I, I gave in. I said, Lord, I, whatever you want, I'm there, man. You're going to save me and wash me. Let's do it. My chains are gone, like we sang. I'm down. And these guys... These guys are listening, but they don't like what they're hearing. 
So, and this is what the Lord's been speaking to them. Look at verse 2. Thus says the Lord, he who remains in the city shall die by the sword, by the famine, by the pestilence. But he who goes over the Chaldeans shall live. His life shall be as a prize to him, and he shall live. Thus says the Lord, the city shall surely be given into the hands of the king of Babylon, uh, king of Babylon's army, which uh, shall take it. People don't want to hear that message. They don't want to, they don't want to hear that message. We don't want to, we want to, we want to hear that God is going to come and set us free. Remember that was the Jews in the century where Jesus came? Same thing, right? They wanted to be freed from the Roman rule. And Jesus would tell them, my kingdom is out of this world. You know, you want to live on this life and get everything that you can get out of it? Is that what you really want? Because in the end, what does that matter? What does it matter that we gain the whole world, but then lose our only soul? What does that matter? And so these guys here, you know, it's the same message again. The same message hadn't changed. And, and you know, it was the same message that Jeremiah had been giving for a long time. It wasn't going to change. And it, But, it, you know, here's what it takes. It takes humility from the people that have ears to hear. Now, they're going to say, listen, if this is truth, then I need to bow down to it. If it's not true, I never need to go to church again. I never need to hear it again. But if it's got truth to it, and I can tell that it's got truth to it because it's accompanied by the Holy Spirit. That's I got some conviction going on right now. You might be sitting at home watching online and thinking, you know, I've heard this over and over. Well, you need to hear it not only from your ears, but in your heart. You need to receive it. And so the message is a message that uh, the, uh, the Lord was speaking through Jeremiah. It was one of grace. It was one of great grace. In the midst of the Chaldeans were coming, it was one of great grace. He says, you want to surrender to them. They're, I'm not, I don't want to surrender to nobody. God says, you better surrender to them. It's going to be better for you. Listen to the response of these princes in verse 4. Therefore the princes said to the king, please let this man be put to death. For thus he weakens the hand of the men of war who remain in the city and the hands of all the people by speaking such words to them. For this man does not seek the welfare of the people, but their harm. So what they're saying is, listen, Jeremiah is speaking negativity to the people. Again, nobody wants to hear that they're going to go into captivity, right? Who, who, nobody wants to hear that they're going to go to hell unless the Lord says, but I can get you to heaven. That's the, that's the hope. That's the message. It's that people, are, people without Christ are going to hell. So he's like going, but you know what? You don't want to hear that message, but I got the remedy. The remedy is through Jesus Christ. So it's a great message, right? It's a great message. It's a message of grace. And again, they thought that Jeremiah's words were negative and they were, you know, kind of wearing the people out. They didn't want to hear all this stuff. It is the only message unto salvation, Jesus Christ. Same thing today. It's the only message. Well, I want to go to a church where they don't hit it so hard. I want to go to a church where they're not going to mention the gospel. I'm not going to mention blood. They're not going to make, you know, mention these things. Don't see how where that's going to get you. You can have your sugary life. But, and it's not that we're pounding things down, but it's just speaking the truth. The truth was gory. It was a man who was slain on the cross. Nails in his wrists and in his feet bled for you and I. It wasn't a pretty message, was it? But it was a message that gave us eternal hope. It was the only message throughout the history of mankind that would give us this peace with God. And at the end of our life, we can say, you know, it is well with my soul. And so once again, keep in mind that the people, they're fighting against the Lord. 
because it was the Lord. He was using the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, as, their, as his chastening rod. So they're fighting against the Lord. And, and you know, whether they like to hear it or not, it doesn't matter. The, the Lord's word is going to come to pass. Just because they don't like what Jeremiah is saying, you know, it doesn't mean that they or anybody else is going to be able to change God's plan. This is what he says. You know, somebody might come up and say, well, there's a better way to heaven. <laughs> oh, really? All you got to do is do this or do that. All you got to do is be a good person, do more good than bad. Really? I would fail every time. And I know most of you too would too. <laughs> it's bus time, right? But that's the way it is. We couldn't keep up with it. We couldn't do it. And so in verse 5, you think that the king might be listening after these 40 years. He says, then Zedekiah, the king said, look, he's in your hand. He's in your hand. So he's on the princess. He's in your hand. He's being a pansy. He's not being a man who is in his position. Remember, he's a puppet king. He's not being a man who's going to be a, make a solid decision on the decision he needs to make. You know, he needs to come up and he needs to be a man of God, but, he's, man of God, but what he's doing is he's hardening his heart. And there's a danger when we harden our hearts. We hear the message and we harden our hearts. And this is what King Zedekiah is doing. He's hardening his heart. And, and you think about it because it's much the same that we see today. Political leaders. They have a great opportunity to make a change. They got to soften their heart. They got to humble themselves. You see, it's not about what they're doing, but it's not about what I can do for my party. It's what I can do for the people. But in most of all, when you think about it, it's what can I do for God? Because they're going to have to answer. Just like you and I, each one of us, we're going to have to answer one day. But political leaders have a great opportunity to turn this world in the right ways if they would just humble themselves under the Lord. And they will one day. But he goes on to say, he says, look at verse 5, Then Zedekiah the king said, Look, he's in your hand, for the king can do nothing against you. That, that is what, Remember that song years ago? I'll, I'll date myself. B-O-L-O-G-N-A. Baloney. That's what it is. The king's just spewing out baloney. Because he's passive. He needs to be a man. If he cares for the people, he's going to give them the best. He's going to humble himself. But he's not doing that. He turns to Jeremiah trying to deal with the issues as, as his issue is with, you know, if I deal with Jeremiah, let somebody else deal with it, then my issue with God is going to go away. No, no, no. Understand that, right? Each of us, man or woman, each of us has a time to where we have to come within our hearts to make a decision for Christ. It's important. Because we're all responsible. And we can't pawn it off. Well, if I just never go to church again, then I'll never have to answer that question again. No, you will. Because once it's asked one time and you deny Christ, you've been given the opportunity. And so look at verse 6. He goes, so they took Jeremiah and cast him in the dungeon, uh, the dungeon of Malchiah, the king's son, which was in the court of the prison. And they let Jeremiah down with ropes, and in the dungeon there was no water but mire, so Jeremiah sank in the mire. Now you got to understand this, Jeremiah is an older man now. And speaking the truth, as I've been saying, will get you in trouble, and this is what's happening to him. Now listen, you can't even speak the truth in love. That seems to get you in trouble. There are many because they're just not adamant about listening. But this is where we have to pray. Here's Jeremiah being lowered down into the um, dungeon in the mire. But prayer is so important because, number one, 
we need to pray that the prayer comes in when we will pray for those who we're trying to reach. It may be Jeremiah was trying to reach these princes and King Zedekiah. And he needs to pray for them, continue to pray for them, because it doesn't matter what your day looks like if you're in the mire of today. And then you don't feel like, oh, nothing good is going to come out of this. God's still at work. You see, he doesn't take time out or breaks or vacations like you and I need to do. And the other thing that prayer is important is that it prays for us that we would continue in these times to be steadfast, even if, you know, we're filled to our neck in mire. In Jeremiah, this is what happens to him. He's literally let down in his cistern. And everybody in Jerusalem has a water tank or a cistern. It's there for days when the, the drought would come, or you, when the rain would come, you would try and collect water and hold it in a cistern for the time that it's needed. But this time, the cisterns were probably empty for some time, and only the mire, though the mud, the muck, everything that the rain would wash down in the bottom of the cistern would remain there. And so this, this, this cistern was so deep that they had to let Jeremiah down there by ropes. And again, void of water, because of either a prolonged drought, and we can go back to chapter 14 and hear about that, or the enemy drained him. If the enemy wants to come hit you, he's going to drain or stop the water supply. So it just buries you, your thirst. You can't quench your thirst anymore. And because they had been looking, you know, the enemy had been looking at ways to weaken the city, but the cistern had no water in it. It only comes with this mud that's collected in there. And they lowered Jeremiah down in this place, and he sank into the mud. Let me remind you of the cisterns Jeremiah spoke about in chapter 2. He said, my people, speaking of the Lord, said, my people have committed two evils. One, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living water. He said, you know what? I am the answer to their life, but they've forsaken me. And number two, they've hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. And Jeremiah is in one of these cisterns. Can't hold water anymore. It's done. But, you know, you think about it, okay, I got a picture. Here's an older guy being lowered down into the cistern. I want to, I want to read you what Jeremiah was feeling at this time because he describes himself during this time in Lamentations chapter 3. Listen, it says, beginning in verse 52, My enemies, without cause, hunted me down like a bird. So these princes were out there, princes we have been talking about, had gotten Zedekiah to turn on Jeremiah. They hunted him down like a bird. Go after him. And, and then it says, they silenced my life in the pit and threw stones at me. So can you imagine this? You're an older guy. Look at me. Okay, I'm an old man. And you're in a mire. You're in the muck up to your neck, right? And all of a sudden, from way up yonder, they're throwing these stones at you. And you're trying, you have nowhere to go. You're just trying to duck and you can't duck and they're, you know, ducking under the mire and trying to put your head back up and you can't move around. It's not like you can dodge them. Not like in a pool, you know, you play Marco Polo, you can get around pretty good. But in the mud, you can't get around. They're throwing these stones at you. He says, again in verse 53, they silenced my life in the pit and threw stones at me. The waters flowed over my head. I said, I am cut off. I called on your name, O Lord, from the lowest pit. You have heard my voice. Do not hide your ear from my sighing, from my cry for help. You drew near on the day I called you. And said, do not fear. Here's the Lord. As all this stuff is going on in Jeremiah's life, he's still going to be faithful to call out to God. God, I know that you're my only hope. I know that you can help me. I know that you can speak right here. You can deliver me. So instead of Jeremiah, you know, being killed by these princes, 
Zedekiah had him lowered in this cistern, and he figured, well, he'll just be dead that way. Put a cap over, he'll be dead. And Zedekiah, again, like this political puppet, incapable of making strong uh, independence decisions, he, he's listening to everybody else and not wanting to make the decision that he should be making. And regardless of who controlled him, whether it was Babylon or these princes, whatever he did, we know that he was weak and he was a vacillating. He just couldn't make a decision to stand on his own, especially when it came to hearing what he should do and then doing it. He heard all right, but he didn't do it. Paul reminds us, you and I, Christians, born-again believers, in the church of Corinth when he wrote there in the 15th chapter, he said, Therefore, my beloved, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That was right after the resurrection chapter, and he's telling the church, he's saying, you know what, guys, you need to be steadfast. You need to be immovable. Don't be tossed to and fro. Earlier he said, hey, don't be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. But there's times when we need to stand up and the Lord would have us know where we're standing upon, where that our lives are secure on the rock of Jesus Christ. See, we're to be immovable. Even in times where we're filled up to our neck with mire, we're to be immovable. God is still my strength. God is my fortress and he's going to deliver me. He's still going to take care of me. And especially when the storms of life come, you got to think about this. Because we're to be immovable, and we're also when the temptations come. You say, well, that's a temptation. I'm not going to be moved by that. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 tells us quite clearly that he's given us a way of escape through Jesus Christ, through any temptation. It, you know, nothing, nothing has a grip on us unless we give in to it. And then look as Jeremiah is rescued. In verse 7, it says, now, Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, one of the eunuchs. You're going to have to remember this guy. You might want to underline his name. Uh, Ebed-Melech, the uh, Ethiopian, one of the eunuchs who was in the king's house, heard that they had put Jeremiah in the dungeon. When the king was sitting in the gate of Benjamin, Ebed-Melech went out of the king's house and spoke to the king, saying, My lord the king, these men have done evil in all that they have done to Jeremiah the prophet whom they have cast into the dungeon, and he is likely to die from hunger in the place where he is, for there is no more bread in the city. Then the king commanded Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, saying, Take from there thirty men with you, and lift Jeremiah the prophet out of the dungeon before he dies. So Ebed-Melech took the men with him and went into the house of the king under the treasury and took from their old clothes and rags and let them down by ropes into the dungeon to Jeremiah. Then Edeb, Amalek, the Ethiopian, said to Jeremiah, Please put these old rags, he's telling them how to get out of the pit, and put them under your armpits, under the ropes. This is a, a significant sign of compassion, if you will. You don't want to, you just want to yank him out. You know, put, put them under the ropes and... Jeremiah did so. So they pulled Jeremiah up with ropes and lifted him out of the dungeon. And Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison. So here you have a guy. A lot of princes against him. Zedekiah is not listening to it. Wanting to push his problems off on somebody else. But you have one man who's going to stand up. This one, Ebed-Melech, stands up for Jeremiah. And his request is granted. This guy's a brave guy. 
He's going against the flow of everybody else, but he's not going to be swayed by the multitude or by the majority. He's not going to be swayed by them. He has a reason. He's got uh, the, the reason why he's going to be faithful to what uh, God would have him do. So he puts these ropes down there, puts these rags, and goes and gets some old rags and says, you know, I want you to put them under your, I don't know if you've ever been pulled by a rope before, but it can cause a lot of burn, especially when you're sucked down in the mire. Now you're coming out of that, right? You guys go clam digging. It's easy to get that clam gun down there, but to pull it up sometimes, uh, a little difficult. More difficult, I should say. So he's lifted out of the mire. He's got 30 soldiers with him. It doesn't take, I don't think he's a big guy. I think you're pulling him out with the fact of playing guard in case they come come after him and say, hey, what are you guys doing? So he's got some soldiers there. But this man isn't afraid to speak up. He says, these men have done evil. Look at, if we don't say anything, who will? If you and I, being believers, are not going to speak the truth in love, then who will? Who are we waiting on? And listen, I don't mean to be brass or crass, or I don't mean to be belligerent in somebody's face. In love, if we really care about them, not to be right. See, the, 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 there's a, a problem because a lot of people just want to be right. They want to be heard. Or they want to be known or whatever the case may be. But the, the fact of the matter is, if we truly love them, that we need to be men and women that are going to stand up and speak the truth no matter how many may be against you or what may come against you. Uh, you know, it's so needed today. We need people that are going to talk truth in love. I mean, weep with people, but tell them the truth. Love, with, love on people. See, we need to let them know that we're willing to speak the truth in the face of evil. We have to be, somebody's got to be the bright light. It's just not carrying our Bible, coming in, going home, putting our Bible on the shelf, maybe pick it up before next Wednesday or next Sunday. No, it's about being that light, the things that we're pumping the oil in, you know, in a sense. The picture is to go out and be the bright light in the world that needs us to be that bright light. And so you have this time to where you and I may feel, you know, like we have nothing to offer. I don't have anything to offer. Listen, look at what this guy has. Old rags. He has old rags to offer Jeremiah. Old rags were comforting and again, a sign of compassion because they were going to help Jeremiah get out of the situation he was. So remember, God can make a little bit go a long way, can he? And, and this guy's available, Ebed Malek, he's, he's available. And he says, you know, I have this, this is going to work. Somebody might say, you know, uh, wow, wow, it might be nice. Let's go to the store. Let's try and get some good. He's, this is all I have to offer. And it's sufficient because this old rags in the hands of God was used for Jeremiah to bring him out of this pit. So I just say, whatever you have to use, use it. Don't think that, well, I don't have enough. I don't have anything. I don't have nothing to offer. I think Jeremiah was glad that he had old rags. And again, look at verse 14, because... Jeremiah comes to face-to-face with Zedekiah. Now, this is interesting because this is going to be the last time they're going to have face-to-face conversation. This will be the last time where they'll meet face-to-face Zedekiah and Jeremiah in verse 14. Then Zedekiah, the king, sent and had Jeremiah, the prophet, brought to him in the third uh, entrance of the house of the Lord. And the king said to Jeremiah, 
I will ask you something. Hide nothing from me. So here again, again, Zedekiah was still waiting to be delivered by God. I think he's like, hey, I want you to tell me something. That was just me and you. Let's talk about this. But he doesn't repent. I think maybe God is stirring his heart some, but he doesn't repent. You know, he just wants to be delivered. I think that's in the case of a lot of people. He just want to be delivered. Just deliver me from my problems. Deliver me from this world. Deliver me from whatever, you know. It's like, no, 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 listen. Listen to God. Bow down to what God says. See, there are so many people that want to be delivered from their consequences, but they don't want to do things right with the Lord. Look at verse 15. Uh, Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, If I declare it to you, will you, not, will you not surely put me to death? And if I give you advice, you will not listen to me. I mean, he's been through it, right? Zedekiah, I mean, Jeremiah has been telling him over and over and over again. The threats have been there from Zedekiah, and he doesn't want to hear it anymore. He's like, you're not going to listen to me anyway. He knew the heart. He knew his heart. So Zedekiah, verse 16, the king swore secretly to Jeremiah. Again, this is Zedekiah showing his weakness by not wanting to be seen by others, right? And he's saying, he swore secretly to Jeremiah, saying, As the Lord lives who made our very souls, <laughs> here, we're one, buddy. I will not put you to death, nor will I give you into the hands of these enemies who seek your life. Then Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, Thus says the Lord, uh, thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, If you surely surrender to the king of Babylon's uh, princes, then your soul shall live. This city shall not be burned with fire, and you and your house shall live. But if you do not surrender to the king of, Babel, uh, to king of Babylon's princes, then this city shall be given into the hand of the Chaldeans, and they shall burn it with fire, and you shall not escape from their hand. So once again, I know it sounds redundant, but it's the same message. Surrender. That's what he's saying, surrender. Same message for you and I, right? Same message for the world. What, do you want, what does the world need to do? Surrender. Surrender to Jesus Christ. It's really the only answer. There is no other hope. Well, why can't I have it another way? Because God said there would be one way. There's only one way. I don't want to confuse people. I love that. It says, you know, there's going to be one way. It's through Jesus Christ. And so you have the same message. The same message that he's been preaching for 40 years. And the message continued to be that Zedekiah needed to surrender to the Babylonians in order to save his life and see the city spared. But he refuses. Look at, look at his response in verse 19. And Zedekiah the king said to Jeremiah, I'm afraid of the Jews who have defected the Chaldeans lest they deliver me into the hands and they abuse me. So this is what, what happens. You made some blunderous errors, but Zedekiah now fears because if he goes into captivity with the king and the king puts him with the common people or the people that have gone into captivity before him, he's saying, you know what, they might, they might do away with me. It's like when you go to prison, not that I've ever been there, but you go to prison, you never tell them what you've done wrong. Because once you start mouthing off what you've done wrong, they get groups to come after certain people. See, he was afraid of the Jews who had already gone over to, uh, to Babylonian. He was afraid of those people that were taken captive. And uh, he thought, man, if I get handed over, I'm going to be in trouble. And because he was so hard-hearted and so hard-hearted, uh, he never repented, not at this time. And listen, he was dealt a mess when he came into office. There's no doubt about it. He followed some kings that were previous to him and did evil in the sight of the Lord. 
But he still, for himself, it doesn't excuse him for making the changes that he needs to make. It doesn't matter what situation you're in or I'm in. It doesn't matter how big the muck is in our life. We need to make the decisions. Not that we think, well, let me try and dig out of this hole. Every time you try and dig out of a hole, it's going to get deeper. You got to just give over to the Lord. You got to say, God, you got to help me in this. And then that's through, that's through surrender again. Like surrender. It's like I'm not going this route anymore. But the thing is, what Jeremiah refused, or excuse me, what Zedekiah refused to do was listen. He always had maybe an answer for something. You know, it seemed like, well, I'm not going to go that route. Tell me again. Tell me again. Hoping things would change. But he didn't have the, the ears tuned in to want to hear from the Lord. Remember on Sunday mornings, after every church that we're listening to, we're studying through the book of Revelation in chapters 2 and 3. The, the, it, it ends there. It has that passage. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. And that is a continuous speaking. The, the Spirit is continuing to speak as in today to the church. And hearing is so important because as we hear... And that includes us here, those who are watching online, and you guys know this. As we hear from the Lord, we need to then respond. See, here's, here's a, probably one of the biggest challenges in a Christian life, or even an unsaved life. Once we hear, we got to respond to what we've heard. For the Christian, it's like, okay, I heard that. But to get it from here to here, we've got to start doing the things that we've heard. Boom to boom. But for the unsaved person, they hear, they got to respond and come to Jesus now because the minute they walk out of the doors, or the minute they change the channel, or they go from the YouTube or YouTube or Facebook page, the minute they, or I'm not going to watch them, the devil's there to give you something else. Responding. Responding is so important. Look at verse 20. But Jeremiah said, they shall not deliver you. Please obey the voice of the Lord, which I speak to you. So I, So it shall be with you. And your soul shall live. But if you refuse to surrender, this is the word that the Lord has shown me. Now, behold, all the women that are left in the king's, uh, the king of Judah's house shall be surrendered to the king of the Babylon, uh, Babylon's princes. And those women shall say, your close friends have set up, has set upon you and prevailed against you. Your feet have sunk in the mire and they have turned away again. So they shall surrender all your wives and your children to the Chaldeans, and ye shall not escape from the hands, uh, from their hand, but shall be taken by the hand of the king of, of Babylon, and ye shall cause this city to be burned with fire. So Zedekiah wants another way out, or he wanted the truth. Jeremiah gives it to him one more time. Look at verse 24. Then Zedekiah said to Jeremiah, Let no one know of these truths. <laughs> <laughs> or you, and ye shall not die. Or let, let no one know these, these words, and ye shall not die. Keep it quiet, and you'll be okay, buddy. But if the prince is here, trust me, they will, that I have talked with you, and they come to you and say to you, declare to us now what you have said in the king, said to the king, and also what the king said to you. Do not hide it from us, and we will not put you to death. Then you shall say to them, I presented my request before the king that he would not make me return to Jonathan's house to die there. And of course, the princes are going to get in on this conversation. Look at verse 27. Then all the princes came to Jeremiah and asked him and told him, 
According to all, told, and he told them according to all the words that the king had commanded, they stopped speaking to him, for the conversation had not been heard. Now Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison until the day that Jerusalem was taken, and he was there when Jerusalem was taken. So the question is this, you might think about it and say, well, Jeremiah just told a little white lie, didn't he? Not really. Because he did make a plea to the king in the 37th chapter, verse 20. He said, he did say, therefore, please hear me, O Lord, my king. Please let my petition be accepted before you. And do not make me return to the house of Jonathan the scribe, lest I die there. So he did say that. He did put that out there. So chapter 39, let's look at the fall of Jerusalem. So now you come to this place where the Babylonians are coming in. They're breaking and breaching the walls. They're coming in. The, the accounts of this are also found in 2 Kings 25. They're found in 2 Chronicles 36 as well as Jeremiah 52. Then Jeremiah, he's sitting in Jerusalem. All the walls are being penetrated. The Babylonians are coming to take the city. And this is something that he had been preaching for a long time. Remember I said this. For here's the, here's the, the prophet saying the Babylonians are coming. They're coming from the north. They're going to take control of the city. Now, for you and I have been walking with the Lord for some time. You've been hearing something quite often. If you've been here long enough, you've been hearing something. Jesus is coming. And here it is that all of a sudden, after 40 years, uh, Jeremiah is looking out there. And this stuff is real now. It's no longer words. It's action. And it's action that the Babylonians are actually coming into the city. Now think about this. Because we've been preaching for a long time that there's going to be... Uh, there's, there's got to be some type of chaos in this world. And, and there needs to be a man that's going to come to answer the call. But prior to all that, the rapture is going to come. And and you know what? There, there, you get these signs out there. There has to be things that are set up before the rapture. Just prior to the rapture, you're going to see this one world government being set up. That's been all around, hasn't it? Only thing stopping it is a man in office right now. And that's why the, I, I think the world is in, and our nation is in anarchy, and it's in chaos. One world global rule. One world religion. Getting rid of uh, all who do not favor globalism. More and more of this will come to focus in soon. You're going to see this more and more pressing in to where you're going to make a decision as a Christian. What side of the fence are you standing on? And it's going to be like, well, no, you know what, I'm out of here. I really don't. You listen, I'm not going to try and rearrange the politics of this world. Or I'm not going to try and rearrange the chairs of the Titanic. It's going down. Okay? My heart is to see people get saved and equip them for the work of the ministry. So they produce more saints and they get more saints. Let's get into this. Look at uh, chapter 39, verse 1. Then the ninth year of Zedekiah king of Judah in the tenth month. And this is all spelled out. I won't go into the dates or any of that right now, but you, you guys will see it. The ninth year of Zedekiah, uh, king of Judah, the tenth month, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and all his armies against Jerusalem and besieged it. And so now he's got all his armies. This thing is for real. He's been talking about it. They've been up and back. Remember, they came up. They saw the Egyptians. They moved back. The Egyptians came, moved back, and they're coming in with a vengeance. In the eleventh year of uh, Zedekiah, in the fourth month, on the ninth day of the month, this is how incredibly accurate this is. The uh, the city was penetrated. Then all the princes of the king of Babylon came in and sat in a middle gate. Nagar, uh, Sherezer, Samgar, Nebo, this other dude, and this other guy. And that's a title, actually. The Rabshar, 
that's the title. Uh, Nergar uh, Sarizer in uh, Rabmag. Gosh, you guys want to name your kids that name? That'd be really cool. And he's a head Magi from Babylon, actually, and you'll see here a little bit more about him. With the rest of the princes of the kings of Babylon. You know what's interesting? So you have this time in history. This time in history really sets up a shift in the spiritual world today. It sets up a shift. Because at this time, from up to this time, it used to be Israel was on board. Israel were the people to be a witness to the world. But up to this time, it's, it's interesting because there's this shift that's taking place. I'm going to read it to you out of Luke chapter 21. Luke records something that I find interesting. This begins the day and age in which we live today. The day of the Gentile, the age of grace, a time of great spiritual shifting in the world. Luke chapter 21 says, And they, speaking of the direction, the destruction of Jerusalem, will fall by the edge of the sword and be held, uh, be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. There's a shift. Things are going to take place in a few more hundred years to where the church is going to be birthed. And the Gentiles, you're not going to see, even right now, Jerusalem is so mixed up. It's just, a, you got quarters. The old city's quartered up. You got Jews, you got the Christians, you got the Armenians, and you got the Muslims. So there's no peace there at all. Until the times the Gentiles are fulfilled. Until that last person, wouldn't it be neat if it happened tonight? The last person came to Jesus Christ and needs to come when the Gentiles are fulfilled and we go home to be with Jesus and even if it's a second to the last person, a third to the last, I don't care. Let's just get it on, right? Let's just go. Let's start check, make some check marks. Check, check, check. So you have this thing after this 30-month siege that Babylon's, the Babylonians break through the city wall and the officials of Babylon enter the city and they take seats in the middle gate. And the middle gate is where they were going to, you know, this is where they're taking authority now. This is our city. We're going to be calling the shots here. And so probably on the north side, but they took the seat and the gate. And again, that's to establish control over the city. That's where you would go and get direction from the king or from the king's peoples. Now the Babylonians are sitting there and to judge those taken captive. You know what? One of the officials, this um, Nergar Shawazer of, of Shamgar, who was Nebuchadnezzar's son-in-law, who ascended to the Babylonian throne in 560 uh, BC after the death of Nebuchadnezzar, um, Nebuchadnezzar's son, Evil Mordorak. Listen, this, this, one of the officials was there. That, that's who he was. Look at verse 4, because there's an escape plan by Zedekiah. All these people are coming in. So it was when Zedekiah, the king of Judah, and all the men of war saw them, they fled. And they went out of the city by night by the way of the king's garden, um, by the by, the gate between the two walls, and he went out by the way of the plain. Listen, understand this. Everybody watching, everybody tonight, we know this, should know it. You cannot flee God. We cannot flee God, right? Where are we going to go? And you can't flee his chastening. Let's just deal with it. You see, Zedekiah and all his soldiers see that the city had fallen and there was no help for them. So, you know, they're feeling that this, this fleeing is an option. Let me just run. Let me hide. Remember, I tell you the story when we were down in um, Katrina, then we were cleaning out houses, mucking out houses when the cities were filled with water. 
they had five-story uh, boats floating. They were floating casinos off the uh, shore a little bit. They were washed up on sea. And so we were cleaning up and cleaning up. We went, were scheduled to go to this person's house. They said, hey, you know, these guys are believers. We want to, they have a restaurant in town. They have a home. We want to get it cleaned up for them so they can get back into church and get things rolling. When we went in their home, and we, you know, when you start mucking out homes, you're not like packing out their boxes like they're moving to another home. You're taking out the stuff that's in the bottom of their closets where all the bongs were, where all the pipes were, where all the alcohol was, where all the pornography was. And these guys are believers. You know what I'm saying? It's like, wait a second, I'm not here to judge nobody, but what you got here is saying the sign of a believer. You, you know, there, there's going to be times you got to look at this stuff and you got to say, wait a second, I need to deal with this. So it was only a matter of time when the Babylonians were going to come in. It was only a matter of time. And they were going to capture the city because this is what the Lord had been saying. Listen, the, the Bible tells us that judgment begins in the house of God. And I want to see, Lord, purge, this has been my prayer. Lord, purge me. Purge my heart, right? I don't, I mean, I'm not preaching anything. I got it all together. I don't. I'm saying, Lord, purge my heart. I want my heart pure. I want it right with you. And it's the same way you think of, remember the times of Pharaoh when he learned that, he learned it the hard way. He should have listened to God, but he didn't. And he, he didn't, he didn't listen. He didn't respond to him accordingly. And God dealt with it. Well, their plan, Zedekiah's plan, was to leave the city by way of the king's garden, eventually crossing over to Jordan to come up and meet with uh, uh, some of the allies over there, the Amorites. Look at verse 5. But the Chaldeans' army pursued them and overtook Zedekiah in the plain of Jericho. And when they had captured him, they brought him up to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, to Riblah, in the land of Hamath, where he pronounced judgment on him. Earlier, the king was told that he would see the king of Babylon face to face. And then the king of Babylon killed the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes in Riblah. And the king of Babylon also killed all the nobles of Judah. Moreover, I think that's bad enough, he put out Zedekiah's eyes and bound him with bronze fetters to carry him off to Babylon. See, Zedekiah never listened. He had to pay the consequence. God's word was going to come to pass. Jeremiah had been telling it over and over and over and over again. Listen, the same thing is today, though. I want to share. We, we as a church, have to have ears to hear. And then the, the, those who not, are not of the church have to have ears to hear, too, because 2 Thessalonians, again, Paul writes in chapter 2, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. We see that today, don't we? Oh, my gosh. With all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteousness, unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the truth and love that they might be saved. God's desire is that they would be saved. God's desire is that everyone would be saved. But they didn't receive the truth and love, uh, the truth, of, uh, the, the love of the truth. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should be uh, believe the lie and that they may be condemned who did not believe the truth and had pleasure in unrighteousness. There's a warning. It's out there. Men and women have to listen today. The world's got to listen today. You don't listen, the consequences are still there. 
The warnings are out there, but many drive right past them. They'll say, hey, there's a warning. You see the speed limit sign? That's my bad. That's where I fall. Speed limit sign says 35. Look down at the odometer. What is it? 50. Look in your rearview mirror. Oh, red and blue. You didn't, you know, that's the consequences. You know, you get to a cliff and it says, road out ahead, 500 yards, and you look and you go, 500 yards, you know, hey, what's going on? You're jamming on your tunes or whatever. Road out 400 yards, road out 300 yards, road out. And then you all of a sudden they drive off the edge of the cliff, and what happens? Why did God allow that to happen to my people? Why did He allow that to happen to my daughter, my son? Or why did He allow, you know what I mean? It's like the warnings were there. The warnings have always been there. And the same thing, God is speaking today. There's warnings. Draw close to me. Draw close to me. Trim the wicks. Fill the, the, the basin with oil. Be ready. But the warnings have to be heard. And then we have to respond to them. When we're not in that manner, we should be responding to those things. And sadly, people, I, I think today, a lot of people are waiting for things to return to normal. Normal was put in the casket. We got to learn how to walk with God as Jeremiah did in the midst of all of the adversity out there, in the midst of everything that he would face through the princes and whoever, and still be men and women that are going to stand up for Jesus Christ. Sadly, the last memory of Zedekiah, I pointed this out earlier, but the last memory that Zedekiah has was his sons being killed before his eyes are plucked out. And then he's carried away in bronze fetters to Babylon. Look at verse 8. Then the Chaldeans burned the king's house and the house of the people with fire and broke down the walls of Jerusalem. Then the Ambizardin, uh, the, the captain of the guard, carried away captive to Babylon the remnant of the people who remained in the city and those who defected to him with the rest of the people who remained. But Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, left in the land of Judah the poor people who had nothing and gave them vineyards and fields at the same time. Two things really quick on this. They figure that there's going to be a loyalty issue. These guys, didn't, you remember we talked about the, um, the Church of Smyrna. They felt like they didn't have two nickels to rub together. These, these guys didn't have two pennies to rub together. They figured, oh, they'll be loyal if we give them something, you know, give them something. So people will say, that's what people want nowadays, right? Just give me. Give me, I'll be loyal to you. As long as they don't have to work for it, just give, me, give it to me. But here's the thing. They think they're going to be loyal and productive, but there is a time when Babylon's going to come back and collect. Babylon's not giving it away. The, the, the governing powers of, of the Chaldeans, they're not going to give it away just to give it away. They're going to make sure that you're doing your job so that they get their reward. They're not just going to have you do that. They, they're going to get their taxes. They're going to get what they have coming from them. They leave the poor people there. And look at verse 11 as we close. Now Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, gave charge concerning Jeremiah to Nebuchadnezzar and the captain of the guard, saying, Take him and look after him and do him no harm, but do to him just as he says to you. So Nebuchadnezzar and the captain of the guard sent Nebuchadnezzar and these other guys to the king of Babylon, king of Babylon, the, the chief officers. Then he sent uh, so, someone in verse 14. Then they sent someone to take Jeremiah from the court of the, of the prison and committed them to Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, uh, the son of Shaphan, 
that he should take him home so he dwelt among the people. I find it interesting that Jeremiah, that I can recall, never spoke to Nebuchadnezzar. But what happens is, it was either through the letters that he sent ahead to the people, or that there was testimony that people were telling him, the earlier captives were telling him, you know what, this, there's some stuff going down. And, and I just say that because here it is that Jeremiah didn't know who he was reaching, but he was being faithful. The word of God was going out and people were listening, even though you didn't see him listening or hear them listening. See, we may not know who's listening. And we may just be thinking, well, we're reiterating the message. Nobody's listening. But there are people listening. My thoughts and comments on this are just continue to be faithful. In verse 15, Meanwhile, the word of the Lord had come to Jeremiah while he was shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Go and speak to Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, saying, Remember that guy? Got to write his name down. Saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring my words upon the city for adversity and not for good, and they shall be um, performed in the day before you. But I will deliver you in that day, says the Lord, and you shall not be given into the hand of the men of whom you are afraid. For I will surely deliver you, and you shall not fall by the sword, but your life shall be as a price to you, because you have put your trust in me, says the Lord. God gave Jeremiah a message for Ebek. Ebed-Melech. God's words against Jerusalem would be fulfilled, but God promised that when Jerusalem fell, that he would rescue Ebed-Melech so that he would not be executed with all the other priests or the other officials. He would escape. Two thoughts. Number one, like Jeremiah's days, he's been preaching and being faithful. He continues to be faithful. May that be our hearts. Just continue to be faithful. You know, you're not much of a preacher. You don't teach it, live it out. Let God's word be lived out in you. And the other thing is, wherever we reside, wherever whoever they are, men in high stature, presidents, governors, or whether, whether they're your average people like you and I, let's be faithful to give the word of God out to them. Be faithful. You see, there's a lot of fear going on in the world today, but you and I need to get our marching orders from heaven. I've talked to many pastors that I just agree with, and they're just, you know, we're just a one accord. And we find it interesting that I don't have a vision for three months. I don't have a vision for six months anymore. I wake up every day asking the Lord, Lord, give me today my marching orders for today. That's it. I don't know what about tomorrow. So we have to be faithful what God has given to us. And people today in high places or whether they're in the streets, it doesn't matter. Jesus is coming and he's ready to save lives today. So let's be faithful with that message. And the message for the people is how they respond. How do you respond? If you have Jesus, let him do everything out of your life. Wednesday nights, Gabe's going to come up and close us in a couple songs. I want to encourage you. On Wednesday nights, we have an opportunity to respond easier than Sunday mornings. And we can social distance on our knees anywhere in the sanctuary and lift up these things to the Lord. Say, God, I need you. Just be on our knees before the Lord and praying, God, help me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. God, our marching orders for today, whatever it is that you would have us do, whatever it is you want for us, 
We hope you've enjoyed spending this time in God's Word, and our prayer is that you'll take it with you and apply it to your life. If you'd like to learn more about Calvary Longview, visit our website at cclongview.com. While you're there, you can find more teachings, request prayer, or even find out how you can get involved with what God is doing in our city. We hope you have an amazing day. We'll see you back here next time, and remember, Jesus loves you, and so do we.